Hey everybody, my name is Jesse Collings, and I want to tell you all about my show, The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast, here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. On The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast, we do a thorough analysis on the biggest issues and trends within the pro wrestling industry. We talk a lot about pro wrestling media, we talk a lot about fan culture and wrestling's place within general pop culture, and we talk about the broader influences that are shaping the way we discuss and analyze the pro wrestling industry. We've had some of the brightest minds in the pro wrestling intelligentsia on the show, including WrestleNomics host Brandon Thurston, both Rich Krejci and Joe Lanza from the Flagship Wrestling Podcast, Trevor Dame from the Through the Years Podcast, and a whole lot more. This isn't a show for hot takes. It's not a show recapping the latest episode of television. This is a show focusing on the biggest topics in pro wrestling and doing a deep dive on the real stories behind the surface level analysis you might find elsewhere. The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts, and we'd really appreciate it if you gave us a try. Thanks. Hey now, it's the Mike and JD show, or should I say, the Podcast Express. Podcast Express. We have we have a return of the Podcast Express because JD is out. He is in beautiful Orlando, Florida. He took his family to uh, Disney World and to Universal Studios this week, and uh, he's enjoying a, a much needed vacation. So I decided to bring my old co-host on from my original podcast, the Podcast Express, who also happens to be my cousin. Welcome mm-hmm. to the show, Joe Gilbert, man. How's it going, yeah. Joe? Going great, man. Thanks for having me. Been looking forward to this since you asked me last week. Um, previously have done some fight game stuff with Garrett uh, right before WrestleMania. A lot of fun and just kind of happy to be back into it. <clears throat> yeah, man. So we had, it's so funny. We had a podcast back in 2017 Yeah. and I got into a Twitter fight with Baron <laughs> Corbin and I thought like that Twitter fight which I've always kind of been embarrassed about, but uh, um, but I did promise I would tell the show the story when JD gets back. But I, so I had that Twitter fight with Baron Corbin, and then our show blew up for exactly one week. Yes, and then after that, like it went back, uh, it went back down, and then we just couldn't sustain it. Yeah. Um, and honestly, in 2017, podcasting was much more difficult than it is now because back then. You think about we didn't have Zoom. There was no Zoom. Oh. There was no Streamyard. Yeah. So I had like. I had a whole soundboard that I purchased and you would just call my phone yeah. and I had the cell phone hooked into the soundboard, which was then hooked into the microphone or hooked into the computer. And then I was recording everything through a program called audacity. Yeah. And uh, it was super difficult for me to do that show, edit it. And then we were just watching so many hours of wrestling. Mm-hmm. I got sick of wrestling and I got sick of the show. Um, I, uh, but, <laughs> on average, I was watching 13 hours of wrestling during that period. Yeah, a, a week because just watching all the new stuff. But we also like to cover a lot of the old stuff. We specifically just yeah. like old five star matches, and yeah. going back and watching all the old. It was it just became exhausting. I don't know how Dave does it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and we well the thing about Dave is this is his full time job. Yeah. Right. So you and I we were trying to to basically do a a uh, a a 
knockoff version of Wrestling Observer Radio, mm-hmm. except for we didn't have any sources. Yeah. So we were trying to do a <laughs> Wrestling Observer Radio where we're watching and reviewing every single freaking show mm-hmm. while maintaining full-time jobs. Yeah. It just it be and I was starting a family at that point because uh, my wife ended up getting pregnant a few months after we started, mm-hmm. uh, and then I moved. I actually ended up moving into a new house, so we just shook in the whole thing. Yeah. But it was man, that show was a lot of fun, and I still love the name Podcast Express. Yeah, solid name, and I, that Baron Corbin time was, and I, that story still comes up on Reddit, which is something cool. we'll get to later. Um, rest in peace, Reddit. Rest in yeah, peace. Rest in peace. <laughs> and uh, I use every opportunity that when somebody brings that up, it's like, man, what a what a shitty person that guy was. Like, <laughs> what a <Yeah>. geek. <laughs> yeah. No. So so, um, and I will tell the story next week. So stay tuned. You got to come back next week when JD gets back because I promised him I would tell yeah. the story, and I still have never told told it on the air. <laughs> but occasionally on the squared circle reddit people will bring up my twitter fight with him and talk about how big of a piece of shit i am yeah so my cousin my blood <laughs> my my flesh and blood will then go on there and he will pile on and agree and tell them that yes he's a piece of shit while not telling them he's my cousin yeah. he would just pile on and then he'll screenshot the comments and send it to me that way we can all have a big laugh about it because it's, i don't care <laughs> it's some of the easiest fake internet points you can get on wrestling reddit <laughs> and it's funny because like you know people baron corbin's not like some big like fan favorite he's not like the johnny gargano or hook or you know whatever where he's got uh he's somebody who's hated on but like my god everybody was behind him during that one period for some reason (laughs) (laughs) yeah they really wanted him to win that money in the bank and uh, keep uh, keep the thing and all that stuff so uh stay tuned next week for the baron corbin story because jd wants to hear it live so yeah uh, i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna spill those beans next week but man we got a uh we got a lot of news to talk about um you know cm punk's got some stuff going on wwe (laughs) the elite's got some stuff going on so let's get right into it um so there's some new CM Punk drama uh, ahead of Collision, and uh, apparently he did an interview with ESPN. I don't know who the interview was with, um, and he might have taken some shots at Hangman Page. There's some uh, talk out there that it's centered around him thinking that Hangman was going to shoot on him in the ring, which sounds just ridiculous to me. Yeah. Um, so I guess my question is, I don't really care about the drama so much. I guess my question is, is AEW working the media and is it working? Um, we'll find out Saturday. What well, probably I would say Monday or Tuesday when the ratings for a collision come out, right? Um, whether or not it's working. I, I do think they're working the media a little bit. Um, I, I think it's a dangerous game to play with all of just kind of the bad publicity that AEW backstage has gotten over the last year. Um, but we'll we'll find out. Like it all depends on what the ratings for collision look like when they come out Monday or Tuesday <clears> and whether or not that's sustained. But yeah, I think it's probably more of a work than anything. Well, you know, CM Punk kind of tweeted out a meme that kind mm. of told everybody that yes, it was a work. I think that the the backup hangman guy from Russell Purist, um, I think he sent out kind of like without directly stating as such stated that this whole thing was planned mm-hmm. that um tony khan knew exactly what was going to go into that espn interview the interview was approved ahead of time yeah. and espn is going to release it ahead of collision um i very much think that the that the tone of the interview and the controversy of the interview being leaked to the media the way it was was to just drum up publicity not only for yeah. the interview but ultimately drum up some publicity for uh for collision 
Um, are they working the media? A hundred percent. Are they working the internet? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Is the media getting worked? Are they falling for it? It appears that some of them are in an effort to get some clicks, right? To get <laughs> clickbait. Hey, and look, I'm just as guilty of it as anybody. As soon as I saw that there's a little bit of CM Punk drama, I started to get my freaking thumbnail ready to go yeah. to to add some uh, views to our YouTube channel because you know we need to get them sub counts up on Fight Game Media's YouTube channel. But um, I, I, you know, I think some people saw through it. We will see what happens with uh, with Meltzer's Observer if if he mm-hmm. fell for it. I don't know. Did did you listen to Wrestling Observer live today with Alvarez? I don't know no. if if. If he even brought it up, I know that Sean Ross Sapp brought uh, talked about it in a Fightful Select report. Um, Wade, I know Wade Keller had talked about it a yeah. little bit. Um, I, I think the the um, the controversy here is that there's no real controversy, but yeah. it is a dangerous game for him to just even bring up Adam Page to yeah. begin with, considering all of this started with Adam Page. Right? Yeah, yeah. And one thing I would say is I think everybody the fans who have followed all of this, the media, everybody's waiting for that second shoe to drop, right? Like yeah. from when we first heard that collision was coming, punk was going to be a part of it. What was everybody saying? All right. When's he going to throw another fit? When's that second <laughs> yeah. shoot? And I think punk and Tony Khan know that. And I think they're going to try to play into that, but yeah, it is a dangerous game because are you constantly communicating everything that punk's going to say to the elite? Are you communicating that to other people who may have a problem with how he was acting before? And like it could factor in potentially to negotiations for those guys down the line that if Punk keeps rubbing them the wrong way, maybe they just decide, hey, we're done. You know, how's that going to affect things? How's it going to affect the locker room overall when you're keep trying to do these work shoot promos that have historically for AEW over the last year? led to a lot of bad publicity. Well, it led to bad publicity. I don't think that it led to an increase in business because no. from last year, because last year is when they started the work shoot stuff um, mm. with, Oh, shout out Lucha Doncic, by the way, Lucha Doncic friend of mine on Twitter. And he's in the BFI chat still. He, uh, he coined the phrase uh, AEW all elite worked shoots. So <laughs> that's a, that's his yeah. thing. And I, I liked that, but so with the a the MJF kind of all the drama with MJF going into double or nothing, and it turns out that they were working the internet, they were yeah. working the media, they were working the boys, all that stuff. That never really led to an increase in business. In fact, business has been down since mm-hmm. then. Now there are a lot of mitigating factors. They had a ton of injuries over that summer. Then brawl out happens. They lose the elite. They lose CM Punk. Mm-hmm. Drama, drama, drama. Then they just now starting to. You know, with CM Punk coming back and the announcement of Collision, I know ticket sales haven't really reflected, and I know there was a little bit of a ratings dip this week, but I just kind of felt some uh, good energy and some positive energy coming back to yeah. uh, to AEW a little bit from last week. And this week's Dynamite, I thought, was uh, one of the best that they've ever had um, yeah. for my taste. It was just like constant fun and chaos from the opening segment all the way through the final second of the show. I just... I was like fully entertained. So I was like, man, there's all this positivity. And then old CM Punk has to rear his ugly <laughs> head. And um, and it's not just CM Punk. It's Tony Khan, mm-hmm. right? Because he's, he's not only is he allowing this to happen, if what we're to believe is true, that this is all part of the plan, they're just drumming up a little bit of interest um, in collision. And the fact of the matter is, is if they're bringing up, if he's bringing up Hangman Adam Page, 
as far as I can tell, that match ain't happening. Yeah. So what are you really drumming up interest for? Right. Yeah, that makes I, that makes zero sense to me. And I know there was talk of Punk wanting to come back as a heel, which he's a great heel. And yeah. I was looking at, but who is he a heel for in AEW? Who's going to be the face that will believably face CM Punk the heel? And are they going to turn FTR heel who, you know, have been They're- trying to be baby faces for, a, you know, about six months now. Um, yeah, getting they're, rid they're, of they're, they happen to be better heels than they are faces. I just think that CM Punk right now is a better baby face than a heel, but yeah. either, either way, I like them anyway. Yeah, no, I, I love FTR. They've been one of my favorite tag teams since their early NXT days. I was just trying to look at the, the AEW roster and conceivably who is CM Punk the heel right now going to go against? Because logically it, it would be the elite guys. But I don't know mm-hmm. if anybody is going to let that happen. The next step would be, you know, Moxley, but Moxley is a heel. I don't know if he's going to let that match happen either. Um, <laughs> yeah. Samoa Joe is a heel, I believe, in Ring of Honor. Maybe Samoa Joe does a face turn. He, a long-term feud between them two would be great. They haven't really done it in close to 20 years, I think. So yeah. there could make some sense there. But who's going to be the face that goes against the heel CM Punk? Adam Cole? Maybe. Maybe. I, I just, yeah. yeah. Um, he, I mean, that would, uh, so he would be the guy, right? Because you can't have Kenny. You can't have Moxley. He's not going to feud with Brian Danielson because Brian Danielson's with the BCC and Moxley wants nothing to do with them, right? Yeah. So that's not going to happen. Um, so if you're taking, if you go, if you go down the line, like Adam Cole is the next biggest star yeah. there that they, that they could have as a baby face. Um, but, and you know, it, we know Punk likes them. I mean, yeah, in, punk, in that whole brawl out thing, the only positive thing he had to say about anybody was Adam Cole. What a sweetheart. Yeah. Like, yeah. so that, that was kind of, I don't know. My, my thought was, all right, cool. Punk's a great heel. Fine. It could work. It's just, who is he going to go up against? That'll make sense and draw money right now. Yeah. And then if you think about it on the collision side, every person that they brought over to collision, like the Island of the misfit toys, mm-hmm. every guy that they brought over is kind of a heel already. Yeah. Like, um, Miro heel, yeah. uh, Jay white heel, juice Robinson heel, Andrade heel. I think Roosh is going to be a, a collision guy. He could go back and forth, but yeah, I think for the most part, he's, he might be slated for a collision because punk's a big fan of his, uh, heel. And it looks like, um, if, if CM Punk wants to be a baby face, maybe he should have advised his boss to not bring over so many heels for him to yeah. wrestle because it, that's really ass backwards because I'm telling you right now, um, Jay White, not a good baby face. No, <laughs> I don't think no, Jay White could be like, he's, he's a fantastic cool. heel. Yeah. But he's, he's a he's terrible baby cool. face. He, he did a little, like he was kind of a tweener baby face and impact a little bit. And I know that's such a smaller scale. But if you think about it, just like like not selling tickets wise or rating wise, because nothing they do can work over there as far as tickets or ratings. But just as far as like entertainment, like like could he play the character? I felt like Jay White was a pretty good baby face in Impact. But even then, they still ended up kind of booking him as a heel sometimes because he was a heel in New Japan. Yeah. But they did bring him in as kind of a babyface originally. So I think that that it could work. The problem is is that he is already slated as a as a heel. He has always done his best work as a heel. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of what everybody knows him. But maybe he could turn I I don't know. 
Um, but Andrade, there ain't no way in hell the AEW audience no. is ever going to see Andrade as anything other than a heel, given the shenanigans that he's pulled and the yeah. fact that everybody knows that he just wants to go back to WWE. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and Miro is a big old bitch, right? <laughs> like he's just he, he came over, he was fresh off of that cuckolding st- storyline that mm-hmm. he did with Lashley and his wife, and um, and we were all hot for Miro. I was hot for Miro, man. I, I was excited for him. And then he came in and he was playing this angry video game guy, yeah. which nobody gives a shit about an angry video game guy. <laughs> Remember that first night that he came in where he had the bleach blonde hair and he had the yeah. white shirt looking like thick shady. Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> thick and, shady. And, and then he was beating up guys because they were breaking his video games. Like yeah. that was the dumbest shit I ever saw. But then when they did the redeemer, I was like, okay, we got something, but the redeemer that's a heel. Yeah. Right. So, and I think that's a great heel for CM Punk to work. Um, one one other guy that could be a babyface, say Punk did want to go baby or go heel. I think we talked to Adam Cole. Hmm. Next next down that list, um, I I believe they could do some more business with Darby with, with yeah. Punk as a full fledged uh, heel. I, I I think that could work. Orange Cassidy could work. Uh, mm-hmm. Orange Cassidy has great matches, so um, I I like the dichotomy there. But other than that, you know, no real top line main you event know, guys. You know, I do wonder if they might try to use some New Japan guys in that role initially. Um, at least yeah. during the summer, maybe building up to the G1 a little bit. I know Will Ospreay has wanted that match for a long time after Punk mentioned him back in what would have been 2018, 2017, yeah. 2018. Um, Ospreay's a heel, <laughs> but uh, I, I see what you're saying. That would be a yeah. good opponent. Um, yeah. an, another one that I don't know if it would be a long term feud, but I think the fans would go crazy for it. Shibata, he's working Ring of Honor, he's right there. Yeah. I think him and Punk stylistically would match up very well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it would be better if they introduce Punk as a face and then build to a heel turn. He yeah. could easily do something similar to what Bret Hart did with Steve Austin, where he was a face who turned on the fans because just because they liked the other guy better. Yeah. And I, I've thought for a, a long time that they should find a way to do that story with MJF with somebody, because I, I think the whole MJF is he going to leave with the t- with the title in 2024 is a terrible storyline because everybody Stupid, knows yeah. <laughs> everybody knows he's resigned. <laughs> um, so I, I thought finding a way to get the title off of MJF to a heel and then allow MJF to come back as that face who's going to save AEW because fans want to cheer MJF. He there's mm-hmm. a lot of cities where he has to try really hard to be the heel. Um, Punk would be a great guy for that. I've been, you know, pitching that for Brian Danielson for a long time because him and MJF have great chemistry together and Brian Danielson's an awesome heel. Um, Yeah, I just looking at the list, I I don't know who else it could be. Uh, Darby would be great. Uh, Maybe something short with Sting. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. Punk and Sting could, I think, do pretty good business together. Uh, I don't know. Guevara, I guess, is trying to turn face again. We'll, uh, we'll see Gavara, how that goes. Look, Guevara does moves. Yeah. And I, and I, you know, and I, everybody likes moves. Moves are cool. Right? Yeah. I, I get it. Guevara sucks. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> um, maybe Daniel Garcia. Um, they were telling a really good story about Garcia becoming, you know, the wrestler and breaking away from the JAS. And then just one day that was randomly dropped. Uh, but Garcia, <laughs> Garcia was getting over and fans yeah. wanted that. And then it was dropped. Maybe they kind of go back into something like that with Punk. I don't know. I, there's no guys at his level yet, but that doesn't mean, I guess, that he can't bring somebody up to his level. That's what his role should be right now. 
is yeah, to bring yeah. somebody up to his level. So we'll, we'll see um, Saturday, Saturday night, and then probably Monday or Tuesday, whenever those ratings come out, going to be a couple interesting days. Yeah, it should, it should be Tuesday because Monday is Juneteenth, so I think it's yeah. a federal holiday. It, so. it actually might um, push back to Wednesday then. Yeah, I forgot yeah. about the federal holiday. Um, what one last one last possible opponent? So say Punk does go heel. Um, I wonder if he could get something out of Wardlow. Mm-hmm. I, I think that, that I think that's an interesting matchup because yeah, you know P- Punk has had some really good matches with bigger guys in the past. Yeah, you know, um, I, I even. Because uh, remember his match with Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam Fantastic a long, long match. time ago. It's yeah, one of Brock's best matches ever. Yeah. Um, and I I felt like you know, The Rock's a different animal, but I, I did like his match with The Rock, and uh, mm-hmm. I liked his matches with Cena. You know, he's he's his uh, uh, his match with Undertaker was yeah, and of course that was you know a run of Undertaker just absolutely stealing the show every WrestleMania, but right. yeah, his, his match with Undertaker was fantastic. Um, he yeah did great with I think Brock probably one of his top two or three matches since his return was with punk. Um, yeah. And Wardlow could kind of work that style, but he's younger and a little bit more athletic than, you know, Brock was more working a, a power game. Wardlow has a yeah. lot more athletic or at least using more athleticism right now. Well, so, he's, yeah. he's Wardlow's doing more gymnastics. I don't want to yeah. say he's more athletic than fucking Brock Lesnar. I, I said he's using more athleticism. <laughs> yeah, didn't yeah, say he is more he's, athletic. He's he's just he does a swanton. Let's be honest. Let's, yeah. let's just all say what we're talking about when we say Wardlow's athletic. He does a swanton. <laughs> yeah. My my only thing with that would be Wardlow has had so many start and stop pushes. Yeah. That can he take the loss to Punk? Because I don't think you're going to beat Punk early. No, 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 no. I, I'm saying just down the line. Down could, the line, could okay. Wardlow be a guy, you know, maybe if they finally get behind Wardlow again and they restart it, could we could we see Punk and Wardlow? I don't know. I'm just tossing out names. Yeah. Um, I just I find I find that to be very interesting. I just wonder if Punk could pull it off and actually bring Wardlow um back up. Um or are they just gonna let Wardlow's contract expire and uh, and he will be feuding with the bloodlines eventually, which <laughs> I think I think would actually yeah, I think he would do very good uh yeah. in New York, brother. I think he would. Oh yeah, he's I think he's everything that WWE loves in guys. And yeah. he's still as much as he's wrestled over the last year or two, he's still a big ball of clay. Like yeah. there's still a lot you can mold with him. Um I would like to see him stay in AEW. I would like to see him grow, but they've got to find some consistency with them. Mm-hmm. Maybe that, you know, a punk feud could do do him good. It it takes one good feud with somebody notable to make your career or break it. So yeah, yeah, I I totally agree. Um, so next topic, uh, WWE, mm-hmm. they are uh, negotiating with uh, Disney. Uh, they're no so like. Let me double back. So the the um, the exclusive negotiation window for WWE's deals with Comcast and Fox have expired. Mm-hmm. So now they're free to open up negotiations with all these other companies, right? Yeah. So they're still negotiating with uh, with Fox for SmackDown, of course, mm-hmm. and with Comcast for um, all the other shows that they do. Um, but they have also begun negotiations with Disney. Mm-hmm. Now I thought this was very interesting because. Um, you know, people were thinking, well, if they're negotiating with Disney, would they go to ESPN? And the answer would be no, that WWE wouldn't work on ESPN because it would get preempted so often. Yeah. So, but people don't realize that Disney years ago bought FX from Fox. So mm-hmm. Fox was the original owner of FX. That's why it's called FX. So Disney owns the TV station FX, which just so happens to have 
73 million homes that they're available in or that they're actually in, mm -hmm. which is just a little bit above USA, TNT, and TBS. So as far as being in homes, they're above. Now, ratings-wise, they're, they're, they're not very high. Yeah. In fact, their ratings are very good at all. But WWE would pull them from, I think Dave Meltzer said, you know, middle 20s to, to around that, you know, bottom, you know, like around 10 to 12 area um, if they were to go through there. And then if you think about it, Disney has that deal with the UFC. Mm -hmm. um, UFC is essentially carrying ESPN Plus. Um, that I, I see that this could be uh, just a huge deal for Disney to just bring over all UFC, all WWE programming over to, um, over to the Disney family and have ESPN plus be the home, like your premier home for combat sports. Cause now they've yeah. got WWE in the mix. Yeah. I will say I, I would fully expect one of either raw or SmackDown to stay with Comcast in some way or NBC universal in some way, because they have the uh, premium live event, whatever you want to call it deal through 2026. So oh, okay. So the so, Peacock deal is not coming up anytime soon. No, no. The Peacock deal okay. is still, still about two years away, two or three years. Okay. Away. Um, so I don't think NBC universal is going to want to lose both properties, but still have it on Peacock, even though it does very well on Peacock. Um, yeah. What I would think is possible to see is raw ending up on fx and smackdown moving to nbc on friday nights because nbc's had bad luck on friday nights they just canceled young rock um that was doing okay but not good enough to justify you know renewing well, it well yeah it was a shitty show sorry yeah <laughs> um and you know right now smackdown every friday night is essentially number one they just did huge numbers two weeks ago mm -hmm. um, oh yeah so Going ahead and getting that, keeping the premium live events on Peacock through 2026, and then opening it up to that bidding war, which Nick Khan said he feels like the premium live event deal is one of the most undervalued deals in streaming right now. And he might be right based yeah. on the numbers they're getting. So, And then you know you're going to have bidders with ESPN and Peacock at that point. So I, I think that's a possibility. Amazon is another interesting one. Because Twitch just struck that big deal with WWE. Amazon owns mm -hmm. Twitch. So there's another relationship being built there. And then Apple Plus. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'll no, say ahead. App, Apple Plus being the dark horse because they are really wanting to get into live streaming. Um, they're doing the baseball stuff. Uh, they've got other stuff going on. They've invested a lot into their live, you know, live streaming equipment. Um, so they're, they're a good dark horse and they're spending a lot of money. They're Apple. But, you know, FX is going to be the big player in USA. Raw is really all they have. Without mm -hmm. Raw, USA <laughs> yeah. might might not exist in a couple of years. So, yeah. Yeah. So the thing about the Amazon deal, um, I watched Impact for years on Twitch. And everybody told me how stupid it was that they had moved to Twitch. But now all of a sudden, WWE might move to Twitch. And <laughs> no, now no, it's no. a big fucking deal. No, no. So WWE wouldn't move to Twitch. They would okay. move to Amazon Prime, right? Um, which is where they do Thursday night football. The Twitch stuff, yes. that's going to be like they're doing watch-alongs there. They'll do a lot of yeah. backstage interviews. Um, they might do something similar to the Mix Match Challenge that WWE did with Facebook several years ago, yeah, um, which didn't that. get very good views. I thought it was fun. I loved it. Um, but it, it wasn't highly viewed. But Twitch has Wait, a larger... On, but you're a, are you a big fan of Braun Strowman and Alexa Bliss as a tag team? 
Oh, I love that. Whole was thing. it? Was it? What was their tag team name? Oh, man, uh, I, I don't. I even can't remember. remember. I just remember they were a tag team. I didn't actually yeah. watch that shit. I just remember they were a tag team. Yeah, the, you had some like weird, fun matchups. The whole thing being <laughs> built around uh, Miz and Oscar, and Oscar being yeah. afraid that Miz was going to lose her undefeated streak. Uh, so she just took over every match and didn't let Miz do anything. It, it really <laughs> just felt like, you know, watching a house show on TV. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just, you know, from, and Raw, Raw was really bad during that time too. Uh, mm-hmm. So it was nice to have just something that Vince didn't care about and it was just fun. Um, and you yeah. could just, you know, 20 minutes on Friday night or whatever. Um, but yeah, so Amazon Prime would be interested and they've already got the relationship having struck the deal with WWE and their wrestlers being able to stream on Twitch and a lot of stuff going on there. Uh, those smaller deals are, are things that are important to look at uh, mm-hmm. because building that relationship and just figuring out how the other side works it, is what usually leads to the bigger deals down the line. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I do think that Amazon prime would be interesting. The problem with uh, if you're WWE is that you're going to lose a, a lot of viewership that way you're going to lose a lot of yeah. exposure now now nfl is is they they are like nothing they're they can juggernaut. do fails yeah. right so like them moving to amazon prime i don't really think that they that they lost any viewership whatsoever i think they're still doing like 10 million every thursday yeah. night so it, it's it's incredible i just don't see that wwe could could do anything near that i think that they would be doing mostly sub million dollar um, viewing exp- not million dollars, some million view viewings each and every week if they were to move one of their premium shows to Amazon Prime. Yeah, and I think if they move to Prime or Apple, any streaming service, I think it would be key to have SmackDown on an NBC or Fox. Yeah, that yeah. way you still have that broadcast television, you know, exposure. Um, if you move to Prime, you know you're going to be getting commercials about Raw during Thursday Night Football. So yeah. you're going to have big time advertising there. And I do believe, I think Prime, um, I'm trying to pull it up. I do think Prime is in like 100 million homes. Oh, um, I have I have Amazon Prime, but I mainly use it yeah. for shopping. But when Jack Ryan comes out or something like that, then I watch it or if they have like a yeah. hit movie. Um, uh, but once once football started last year, I did start watching Thursday Night Football through them. Yeah, they, they're currently in, uh, just pulled it up. As of four days ago, they're in over 200 million homes worldwide. Well, um, shit on a sandwich. I didn't even know that that was possible for a yeah. streaming uh, thing. Now, that doesn't mean that 200 million people watch. No, uh, watch no, it, it's just two, watch. 200 million yeah. people would have access to it. Yeah. And the a lot benefit of, people... of Amazon is, A, they're data mining like crazy. So yeah. if they see you're interested in anything wrestling, they're going to start pushing the advertisements to you. Raw would be all over the Amazon website, just like NFL yeah. is. Um, so Amazon would make the most sense to make it work if they go streaming. And I know, so I was looking at the numbers, the last deal raw got 240 million a year. Um, and then SmackDown 200 million a year, which SmackDown actually would be more valuable per hour at hundred million per hour with raw at around 80 million per hour. Nick Khan has said multiple times he expects 150% increase. Um, mm-hmm. So putting both of those at over over three hundred million dollars um, when when things kind of shake up and they announced the last deal at the end of June, so we could be pretty close to you know in the next couple of weeks or in the next month hearing something about where where both of those are going to land. 
Yeah, I, I think because you would the potential loss of of exposure. Now I know that Prime isn't available for 200 million users. However, um, a lot of those those users don't actually watch Prime Video. They just yeah. use it for shopping. That's that's typically what the Gilbert yeah. household does. We use it for shopping. I just occasionally will turn on the app. So I I think that they would probably even get more money on top of what an average network would pay because they're going to be losing that exposure. So you're going to want to overpay to bring them over. And yeah. that's been kind of WWE's business model the last decade or so is getting people overpaying for their content. Yeah. And one thing I would say is if they move to say Amazon or FX, just like we see, like Fox promotes the crap out of SmackDown. Yeah. USA, NBC, they don't promote raw all that much. Um, but when you're, when you're new in that relationship, you're going to want that relationship to work. So you're going mm -hmm. to promote the crap out of it. I can say one thing that AEW does very well. If I'm watching comedy central TNT, TBS, I'm going to see an AEW commercial probably every hour or every other hour. Um, yeah. they're, they're going to play something to advertise that show. You don't see that with raw outside of, you know, SmackDown will promote raw but USA doesn't really go out and do it on their own. I think if Amazon or Disney FX picked it up, you would see heavy promotion for it all the time because they're going to need that investment to pay off and yeah. you'll, you'll need eyes to be able to do it. And, and that, that promotion will, will come on ESPN, which ESPN is King right now as yeah. far as, you know, sports television goes. Yeah. So um, yeah, no, I, I think that um, I, you uh, know, I've been, I've been saying that that FX makes all the sense in the world for years for WWE to go to. Yeah, another uh, another interesting tidbit about ESPN is they did just strike the deal with Pat McAfee. Um, yeah. And who did Pat McAfee say that he went to when he had questions about negotiations because he represented himself. He didn't go out right. and get an agency. And every time he left a meeting, he called Nick Khan and mm -hmm. said, hey, this is what you know they told me. This is the questions they had. Nick Khan was the one who helped Pat McAfee in negotiations kind of informally to get that deal done. And they, they invested a lot and they said that they see a changing of the landscape and what media is going to be over the next 10 years. So McAfee getting that deal done early, having kind of that relationship with Nick Khan there could just be another, you know, one of those smaller things that may not seem like much when it happens, but when the deal finally strikes, we may hear about like, Hey, this is kind of where the relationship started. Yeah. Well, and Nick Khan is the agent for, he's been the agent for a lot of ESPN employees and, yeah. and some of their writers and stuff like that. He, so they, they know Khan if, uh, and I, I think they'd be willing to do business with him. Yeah. If you watched um, first take leading up to WrestleMania, I'd say, I think it was the Friday before WrestleMania, Nick Khan was on first take with Stephen A. Smith mm -hmm. and that interview, which I think was about 15, 20 minutes long, I immediately left that interview thinking, oh, ESPN is going to be interested because Stephen oh, yeah. A. Smith was pumping them up like I had never heard him pump up somebody before. Nothing <laughs> negative to say, no loud Stephen A. Smith yelling. <clears throat> um, right. Nick Khan is boring as hell. Um, I would never have him do an interview again, but he knows his stuff. And you could tell there that there was some interest, uh, just the way Stephen A. Smith was talking to him. Um, so we got some contract news coming up. Um, so the elite, uh, you know, Fightful Select broke, I'm gonna say broke the story 
right? They charged five dollars mm-hmm. to tell everybody that the elite, the elite, are still negotiating their contracts, um, and that they're most likely to sign, resign with AEW. I think that's been the the case this whole time. I don't yeah. think that that warranted another post because there's no real updates to it. But since that was updated and people are talking about it, I'm going to go ahead and talk about it here. Um, but you know, Hangman is involved in this now, so Hangman with the you know. Omega and the Bucks, they're all kind of negotiation, negotiating as a team, um, pretty much. And basically, they're saying that the CM Punk stuff, as of now, is not a hindrance to the negotiations whatsoever, yeah. that they're likely to get the deal done, um, irregardless of the Punk stuff. Yeah, I would expect them to resign. If I were them, I would wait just to kind of see the landscape of how does everything go with Collision? How does everything go with Punk? And yeah. just give it a couple of months because it's not like Tony Khan's going to take him off TV if, say, they're con. I mean, he let Cody Rhodes work without a contract. He's not going to have any fear that the elite's going to work a dynamite on Wednesday and then show up on SmackDown on Friday. That's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, so I, if I were them, I would just kind of hold off just a little bit. But I would say 98% that they'll all resign by the end of the year. Yeah, I think they should hold off because, you know, like you said, with the CM Punk stuff, this could blow up. This could also mean they're working both Wednesdays and Saturdays Yeah. um, because without CM Punk, Collision is dead. Yeah. Um, And honestly, as of right now, Collision at the box office outside of Chicago, they're still not they're still not hitting home runs out there at the box office. So and and I think a lot of the reason is, is because, you know, they're going to go to an all elite show without the elite and the elite have been you know, kind of part of the fabric of this company. They're the founders of the company. Um, but now this is looked at as a B as a B show without, uh, without those four guys. Um, I think that if that show starts to shit the bed and if something goes South with CM Punk, you know, they're going to want to end their contract that, Hey, if you're going to ask us to work an extra date every week, which is adding two travel days per week, yeah. by the way, um, you're, you're going to need to up that money because yeah. right now this is rookie shit. You got to up that money a little bit. Yeah. And there, you know, I, I can make the argument that Moxley is probably the most valuable piece to, to AEW right now, just because he's been so consistent I, and always. I there. don't disagree with that. I don't disagree um, with that. But the elite leaving would be, it would be a Mike Tyson punch to the stomach. Uh, that that one yeah. would be hurt, and I don't even I wouldn't even guarantee that if the elite were to leave AEW that they it's automatic they're going to go to WWE. Um, I think there would be some interest in going back to New Japan for for Kenny Omega, um, mm-hmm. and maybe just working a, a very limited part time schedule. But they've if I if again if I were them I would just hold off, don't rush to anything, because I don't think it's going to be a money factor. They'll they're going to get all the money they want from AEW. WWE would probably offer them more, but I don't think that's the deciding factor. I would just well, want to know the landscape of what it's going to be like backstage. The first time you're on a pay-per-view with Punk and have to be in the same building, because that's going to mm-hmm. be coming up. Um, you know, the first time something goes wrong, if ratings are bad with collision, if ratings drop, just the first time CM Punk doesn't get his way. If somebody says something negative in an interview that he doesn't like, it, I mean, all of these factors kind of have to be in play here. So I would just hold off at least until the end of the year. Uh, yeah. You know, and I, the Kenny Omega doesn't appear, it doesn't appear to be driven by money. No. Um, but the one thing that AEW can offer, uh, at least the bucks and Omega and hangman is a different story is employee status. 
right? WWE is never going to offer employee status to an active wrestler. They will bring it. They will bring in a wrestler as an employee and they might ask them to wrestle once they get there, but they're never going to offer employee status to a wrestler. You know what I mean? Um, And so AEW offered employees or gave employee status to the bucks, to Omega and to Cody Rhodes and to Brandy Rhodes and to, you know, young buck number two's wife. Right. Mm -hmm. Like they, they, they gave the status to all these guys. Um, They're not going to get that in, in WWE. So, and what is employee status important for, Um, you know, benefits, right? Insurance, retirement, like all that stuff that you don't get when you're an independent contractor, you get once you're an employee. So they would be leaving that on the table. Plus it's, it's a cushier schedule. If Mm. you're only going to dynamite on Wednesdays. Now, if you got to go to both Dynamite and, and Collision, <coughs> excuse me, and Collision on Saturday, and potentially pretty, house rules because they have been rules. doing limited, um, yeah, limited house shows, and then if you have and, a pay per view coming up, and pay per view, then at that point you're not that much different than WWE because right now you either work, you, you're everybody's working house shows over the weekend, but you're either only working like your main thing is Monday, so you might mm-hmm. work, you know, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and then Tuesday travel back home. And then yeah. you go back and you start over on Saturday. If you're a Monday Night Raw um, wrestler or if you're a SmackDown wrestler, you're going to work Friday, Saturday, Sunday, then travel back home on Monday, yada, yada, yada. Um, that's actually not that bad of a schedule compared to, you know, you you, you fly out on Tuesday, right? Mm-hmm. And then you you get to, you go to, you show up to the show on Wednesday, you work the whole show, you spend the night there, then you wake up Thursday, you fly back home, all right? And then you then you go back to the airport on Friday, you fly back to the next town, on Saturday, stay there and then get up Sunday, fly back home. Yeah. And then you really got Monday, right? Like, yeah. so that, that's actually not that great of a schedule. Now, if they could work it out to where, Hey, we're going to red eye you in first thing, Wednesday morning, and then you're out Wednesday after the show. And then we'll do the same thing on Saturdays. If you yeah. get that kind of status, I mean, that could work, but most other people, if they're having to work both Wednesday and Saturday, they're, they're looking at adding four travel days per week. And that's tough. Yeah. And I would say another thing, that AEW offers that would be big to specifically from what I've seen, Kenny is the ability to just bring people in that he wants to work with. Right. Um, You know, he wanted to work with Omega and they're making that happen. He wants to work with the again. It's pretty clear that they're going to make that happen and not having to have those guys locked into deals to make it happen. Right. And WWE, you're only going to work with the if he's signing a three-year deal. Um, Mm -hmm. Abushi has said on record, like, Hey, I would love to work for him. Um, You know, let me train and, you know, let me be just kind of come and go when you need me, but he doesn't want to sign another deal. He doesn't want to sign a long-term contract, poor experience in new Japan. Um, You're not going to get that in WWE. It's just, you know, it's how it is Um, that he has that flexibility in AEW just to be able to bring those people in and not kind of force those people to be signed in long-term to, to do something with them. Some news came out about Drew McIntyre this week, and I'm dumbfounded because I was told weeks ago that this motherfucker had already re-signed with WWE. Now there's conflicting reports. Um, some believe that he's signed. Some believe he has not re-signed. Um, it looks like WWE and Drew McIntyre are working out some type of creative for him to return, yeah. but nobody knows if he's actually re-signed his deal. What's going on with Drew McIntyre? What's the latest that's out there right now? Uh, from what I know, he's not re-signed yet, but all both sides kind of feel like it's going to get done but they're not going to get done until closer to when the contract ends. That's just the way WWE has been doing things. They're not re-signing people with a year left on their deal. McIntyre, I believe his actual contract comes up 
um, in April, uh, April of 2024. So I would expect December or no, uh, December or January for the deal to get done. Um, it, it, it's just too perfect of a fit. I will say if AEW could poach one guy, <laughs> McIntyre <laughs> would be a big one because that guy, that's can a game changer. With, that guy yeah. can work with anybody. Yeah, absolutely he's great. anybody. And he can work heel or baby face and just be mm-hmm. fantastic either way. Um, but they, they love Drew so much. Um, Drew is a big Triple H guy. Triple H is a big fan of his. Having William Regal back, Regal was the big factor into getting McIntyre <clears throat> back to WWE in the first place. Um, when McIntyre left, Regal was the one who talked to him and said, hey, this is not forever. Like, fix, you, fix your stuff. I'm going to mm-hmm. get you back. And, and he did. McIntyre was the first big one of like leaving WWE and completely reinventing yourself and coming back a huge star. He He's the template, right? Because he, yeah. he was doing those indie things, but he really worked his television character on uh, on TNA. Yeah. And, and he was tremendous there. And he was their world champion. And he looked and felt like a major superstar when he was there. Yeah. Um, and Triple H brought him back to NXT and smartly kept that momentum going didn't you know make him work from the bottom again yeah like brought him in you know some people think maybe sending him to nxt made him work from the bottom not necessarily because they brought him in to the top of nxt and still made him feel like this major superstar and when they were doing those bigger events like he was working in front of ten thousand people as the top star in nxt and then eventually he came over to wwe and he just hit the he's just been amazing ever since just what a, a great great talent um and i'm really happy for him but He's, you know, he is the opposite of Dango, right? Yeah. Like, um, and look, and McIntyre had a stupid ass gimmick in WWE, just a silly, stupid gimmick, the three man band, right? Yeah. And then he went out and shed that thing and reinvented himself and yada, yada, yada. Same thing with Cody Rhodes and Stardust. What a dumb, dumb gimmick. He shed the gimmick. He went out, he reinvented himself as a world champion made everybody, you know, wearing the suits and the whole deal come back to WWE. And that's what they see him as now. Yeah. Right. Um, but guys like, like, and then Cardona, I would say is right on that same yeah. uh, plane with, uh, with Drew and Cody. If they bring Cardona back, I think they could bring him back right at the top and he'd be a good top level heel for, for them. But you know, guys like uh, Dango and um, like no way Jose, they just yeah. have taken this shitty, stupid gimmick that they were given in WWE, and they're like, well, this is all I'm ever going to be. And yeah. they've decided that failure is very much an option. So they're going to take little paydays on uh, rinky-dink like, like indie shows and stuff like that, and they're going to take bottom-barrel money from Impact mm-hmm. to, to do their silly stuff yeah. uh, when they could be reinventing themselves to become bigger stars. Sorry, rant over. <laughs> yeah. No, if you look at um, McIntyre, and I guess he would have been Galloway at the time, his first appearance post-WWE. Immediate yeah. ICW, I believe in Ireland, yep. right, is where yeah. where he kind of cut his teeth in initially, and the reaction he got, he was a star. The moment mm-hmm. those lights came on and it was revealed, it was Drew Galloway back in the ring, and he carried that over into every promotion that he went to. He didn't go off and start just a random indie wrestler who was building himself back up. He took time off, completely changed his body. Um, mm-hmm. I believe. Uh, greatly decrease his alcohol intake. Um, he yeah. has a great, I believe it, I can't remember if it was the 24 or 365. They're all basically the same thing. Um, but he has a great um, documentary that WWE did on him, on his whole, just yeah. everything that he went through. Cause he really depressed at the end of his WWE run and was just drinking a lot and wasn't taking it seriously. 
And when he got released, he'll say it was the best thing for him because it gave him a reason to change and made himself into, at the time, I would say he was the biggest indie wrestler in the world um, and doing great things with Impact. Immediately mm-hmm. shows up, becomes a star in WWE. Everybody who is important backstage in WWE right now absolutely loves the guy. One of the loudest reactions I've heard in 20 years when he eliminated Brock Lesnar at the Royal Rumble. Right. That's right. You were there. No, no, no. I wasn't there at that oh. one. No, oh, okay. um, I, I went to the one. Was it the next year? It would have been last year oh, when gotcha, when gotcha. Lesnar wrestled Bobby Lashley for the first time. Okay. Um, okay. But yeah, just watching that Royal Rumble when you know Lesnar was eliminating everybody, literally eliminated every single person up until that point, and then Drew McIntyre comes in, and you could just tell the crowd knew what was going to happen, and what was he said? Uh, I've been waiting for this, Lesnar. Come on, and Lesnar takes his gloves off. You know. Got a little dirty there with Ricochet kicking Lesnar in the nuts from behind. But <laughs> but the reaction of when Drew McIntyre eliminated Brock Lesnar in that Royal Rumble, immediately one of the biggest stars in the company. Yeah, um, he unfortunately, was a man. Yeah, unfortunately, his moment had to come at the PC with nobody there. Um, <laughs> that was yeah. one of the biggest momentum-killing things that could ever happen <clears throat> to a guy. But or, I think, or or uh, or losing uh, in a stadium show in Wales when that whole fucking mm-hmm. show was built around you winning the title. That's yeah, that, but he the, did go on to WrestleMania last earlier this year to have a five star match for the yeah NFC probably Cubs. probably the best <laughs> match of his career right yeah um yeah. And which you know Gunther is another guy who could just get that out of anybody. I, I think long term, I would like to see Gunther and Drew McIntyre be the guys carrying Raw. Um, they, yeah. I think they work well together. They're just both big Europeans um, that just, it, it reminds me a lot of when I started going back and watching Stan Hansen matches, mm-hmm. uh, just like beating the shit out of the guy across from you and making it look real because, you know, kind of is because they're actually yeah. just hitting you in there. <laughs> Joe, they weren't making it look real. <laughs> like, yeah. they're, like they're, uh, they're just, they're like, technically they're very bad punches, but they yeah. still hit you and it hurts. Yeah. Um, it, it reminded me a lot. Uh, so I seen McFoley live, I think last year, and uh, he was talking about um, getting ready to break through in Japan. And I, I can't remember oh, it. Actually, I think it was, Joe, do you notice something? Yeah. Yeah, that that picture that that yeah. I sent so you. Joe Joe went to the Mick Foley show and then got me an autographed picture of Mick Foley and it uh, hangs behind uh, yep. hangs uh, behind my desk here. So yeah. it's up when I do podcasts. I, I'm trying to think of who it was. For some reason, the name Terry Gordy is coming to mind, but I don't think it was Terry Gordy. Uh, but Mick Foley was telling the story. No, it was Terry Funk. Um, Terry Funk. He, he wanted to learn the Terry Funk punch. And he's like, he was yeah. so excited to learn how Terry Funk would throw this punch that looked like it was just knocking the shit out of somebody. And then he got in the ring with Terry Funk and Terry Funk knocked the shit out of him. And he was like, that was it. That was the secret. Yeah. You're just punching me. <laughs> and that that's a lot of what, you know, Gunther <laughs> and Drew McIntyre remind me of right now. Um, I, I yeah. think they are the perfect stars to build a show around. I, I think McIntyre gets this deal done probably, you know, before Royal Rumble next year. Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, I don't think McIntyre is going anywhere. All right, we're coming up against time, so we're going to burn through some uh, our our last stories here. Um, new Forbidden Door matches were announced. Uh, we got MJF versus uh, Tanahashi. Mm-hmm. Tanahashi, who has no knees, but still put the fucking belt <laughs> on him. That gimmick will yeah. never stop, by the way. Yeah. Um, if he doesn't get it here, he's going to wrestle at the next Impact show, Multiverse United. They better put the fucking title on him there. Um, 
Um, I, I, I like that match, um, but the match that I don't really care about is a Sonata versus Jungle Boy. <laughs> that might be the weakest IWGP title match in history. Um, I'm just going to surely say no. Surely there was some matches with like Evil that were weaker, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably. Look, I'm not a Sonata hater. I just know that nobody cares about Sonata. Yeah. Um, he, I think Sonata's a really good wrestler, and yeah. I really liked his Yoda Suji match earlier this year, and I liked his match with Okada. I think he could end up being a, a great champion, but nobody really sees him as that. He, and he, and Jungle Boy is kind of a mid carter. Yeah. So. Sonata should really come to America and try to pick up a personality because he well doesn't... he did that. He wrestled in TNA for years, and they tried yeah. him with all these skits where he was uh, James Storm's young boy, and uh, and he was doing all kinds of crazy stuff, but it just never clicked with him, and they sent him yeah. back. Yeah, I, he's he's a good wrestler. There's just nothing outside of between the bells that make me want to go out of my way to watch him. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm kind of, I'm getting there with a uh, jungle boy. Cause a uh, jungle boy, you know, he's uh, the underneath babyface jungle boy is dead to me. Now. I, I think he's going to turn heel soon and we'll see if that's interesting, but I just don't know that he's got what it takes. I don't know if he has yeah. the chops to be a heel. Yeah. Another, he's, you know, a good wrestler can put on some good matches, but he he's had like maybe one or two promos where I, I watched and listened to him. I was like, well, that was good. But that's been in like four years. So yeah, you know, we'll, we'll yeah. see. Yeah. Um, Sean, X-Pac Waltman is uh, prepping for an in-ring return. And I'll be honest, man, I don't know what it is, but I, you know, if you get that guy some, uh, some good, you know, if he has a good diet and maybe he gets a little Decadura ballin, you know, some, uh, some HGH, some testosterone, he yeah. gets jacked up a little bit. Maybe you throw him in there and have a couple of good matches. AEW is rumored to be interested, I guess, like a year ago yeah. about having him do something with Billy Gunn. Um, I don't think that um, WWE would bring him back to wrestle at this point, but no. I'm kind of, I'm, I'm kind of here for an X-Pac, you know, indie run, man, or yeah. maybe X-Pac doing like, you know, like a GCW or X-Pac doing uh, impact or maybe going yeah. to Japan. I think that would be fun. So when, when I first seen this, my first question was uh, why, and then who is this for? Um, because yeah. in my mind, I was like, X-Pac hasn't wrestled in a, at least a decade, right? So I went right. back and looked. He wrestled Janela back in 2022. Yeah. Um, he had a couple matches in 2022. He's 50 years old. That's not crazy for a wrestler anymore. I think <laughs> no, Jericho's, no. Jericho's 54, I think, 54, 55. Yeah. Edge um, is close to 50. Christian's yeah. close to 50. Sting is in his 60s. Yeah. Look, if you can go and you're in shape and you can be healthy, Jarrett is in his 50s. Yeah. Like, like these guys are having career resurgences in their fifties. I, I, why not Sean Waltman? He yeah. honestly, as far as in the ring, he's just as good or better than most of them. Yeah. Um, one thing I wouldn't, you said, you don't think WWE would have interest. I wouldn't put it past them to say, Hey, would you like to do uh, NXT takeover or whatever they're going to call it um, to be the big name on the card? Because they're, they're going to put more focus on NXT moving forward. Um, oh, okay. There's That's going to be. News. I didn't know that. There, there's there's going to be a concentrated effort to make NXT feel like a real third brand. Um, that's why you're seeing Seth Rollins down there. That's why uh, Los Lotharios, Angel Garza, and Humberto Carrillo are going to be back in the tag division there. They just showed up on on Tuesday night. One yeah. thing that really helped NXT start to grow when it was first just coming out of you know all of their events at the PC or at that time full sale was they went out and got Jushin Thunder Liger to do TakeOver in Brooklyn. 
And that was a big ticket mover for him. He wrestled Tyler Breeze in a very average match, but it was freaking Jushin Thunder Liger wrestling NXT. I, I, I really liked that match, but I think it's just because, yeah. you know, it was historic because Liger had never been in WWE before. Yeah. And I, I could see, you know, because Waltman obviously has the relationships there. Um, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, you know, kind of running things. I could see them asking him to come in, maybe do a couple shows on NXT TV, build up to a a takeover, whatever they want to call it, match. Um, I'm not sure who would be the right opponent for them. They, they've got a lot of, you know, really good young guys, but I wouldn't entirely rule it out. Um, AEW does really like bringing in those, you know, veteran guys with big names. Waltman can go. Um, he would yeah. be a really good guy if he were ever interested in being a coach, producer, um, that I think he would be valuable to have around. I just don't think he's shown interest in that that role lately. Um, mm. but you know, after doing a little bit more research, I went from completely against it to like, all right, whatever, you know, it's yeah, yeah. not that out of the realm of possibility. I'm, I'm here for it. Let's, let's see what, what happens. Honestly, if you think about it, like he is like, um, if he went to Noah right now, pro wrestling Noah, mm-hmm. he'd be one of the youngest champions they've had in the last few years. So <laughs> yeah. I, I think, I think that would be awesome. Give yeah. me X-Pac in, uh, in Noah. Let's do it. Um, our buddy Black Mask, uh, the Black Mask of Wrestling, um, mm-hmm. states that there's interest from WWE in Hook when Hook. his contract expires, and um, and that uh, Taz, you know, Taz is looking uh, that Taz is kind of pushing this thing. I think this is Taz being a good dad, yeah. here, and um, that Hook's contract is expiring soon, so his dad is leaking to Mike Johnson and these other folks. Um, to say, I actually, you know what? I don't think Mike Johnson had this. I think this is black mask. And there was another leaker on Twitter. There's yeah. a guy going on Twitter and a private account leaking. So I, hell, I don't even know how legit this is, but I'm gonna go ahead and talk about it. Um, um I, I, I think did, this might just be Taz doing his uh, son of solid trying to get him paid. Yeah. I did tell you this back in mid April that there was interest there. Um, oh, really? Is, the, is that, is, is that from the, the leaker from the, Reddit from, or was it the leaker? From um, Twitter? I've heard from two different people. That they're okay. back in back in April. That there there was interest. Um, I think the move to WWE could be good for Hook. I think it's good to always say you're interested in the other party to get more money. Hundred oh, um, percent. But I I went and kind of did a little bit of research. Hook has wrestled what was it? I think thirty five matches in two years. And you can't not get as, better that way. He's not had a single singles match go over 10 minutes long wow for for comparison um over in wwe tiffany stratton who i'm going to say they debuted around the same time a month apart she debuted a month after him or a month before him but i would guarantee that he's been training longer than her because she was coming over from college gymnastics he's probably been training since he was 16 tiffany stratton Mm -hmm. has wrestled 45 matches in the same amount of time and her longest match is 16 minutes, longest singles match. Um, just another kind of, you know, how often should you be wrestling? Leo Rush, this year, so far, halfway through the year, has wrestled 49 matches. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, whatever happens with Hook, he's just got to wrestle more. You can't mm-hmm. be a, a single star wrestling 15, 20 times a year, never going longer than 10 minutes. You're not going to get better that way. He doesn't do any indies. Um, he's done a little bit of the, the house rules shows, maybe collision being there as another show for him to wrestle on the guy needs to wrestle. 
And I think that's where WWE would have the biggest value for him because NXT does do house show loops in Florida mm-hmm. all week, all the time. Um, they would, they've got NXT level up NXT TV, their premium events. They've shown a willingness to take NXT talent on the, the main raw SmackDown tours. That's where kind of pretty deadly made a lot of fans backstage was when they started touring with the main roster back in January. So hook of all of them would be the one that would make the most sense. My wish, if that were to happen, is I want Taz to go to NXT to get Booker T off of commentary because he is the absolute <laughs> worst. He is. Um, <laughs> there mm. is nothing that guy says that pertains to the match at all. Like you could take any Booker T comment from any any match and just paste it into another match and it would still be the same thing. Um, so Booker I, T I, is good at being Booker T. Yeah, Booker T is not good at being a commentator. He's good at like the panels before shows. Yeah. Um, he's entertaining there. Um, they did a segment um, this past Tuesday where they showed Lola Vice on TV. They finally had a, a Lola Vice segment. She was Valerie Lord and uh, Bellator. A really big signing for WWE. And oh, yeah. uh, Booker T had no idea who she was. Just didn't comment. You could hear him ask Vic Joseph. <laughs> who is that? <laughs> and yeah. they just like never acknowledged it. So I Taz would do the work. He actually enjoys researching wrestlers and wrestling. Um, mm-hmm. So my hope is it would be some kind of package deal to, to get Taz in the commentary on NXT because they badly mm-hmm. need him. Yeah. 35 matches in two years is not very good. Um, and Tiffany no. Stratton only having 45 in two years. That's also not very good. You, you, you need to, you need to have, you know, 15 yeah. a month if you're going to get any better. Well, and, um, and and for her, I would say she had her first match two months after she started training. Um, yeah. So, and then we also don't know, you know, how many matches she's actually having at the PC because they're constantly doing full matches. Well, at the you know, PC. I, well, Hook is also. I'm sure he's in the gym training. I think he worked out at the Nightmare Factory, and I yeah. think he's worked out other places. So, I, you know, I think the same could be said of of Hook too. Um, but yeah, no, I I think that you're absolutely right, though. Um, and that's been one of the problem with a lot of the young talent in AEW. They went to AEW only working once a week and they got really fucking comfortable. Yeah. Right. Like they are not doing anything. They got, they got their TV money and they're just sitting fat and happy and they're not really improving. So the, the guys that they signed in 2018 originally they're they're they have not grown since then. Yeah. A, cu- a couple of them like have gotten a little bit better. But I don't think that you can sit here and tell me that a lot of the guys that they'd signed back then are any better than they were five years ago. I, yeah. I just don't think that you can. Yeah, I Hook is one that I think should be wrestling once or twice a week on the indies. Yeah. Um, he, he should just be wrestling all the time. Even It doesn't have to be long 20, 30-minute matches. Just get out there in front of different crowds, work with different people, because that's what's going to make you better. Another interesting one with him is Cody Rhodes did have a big part of training him. Oh, yeah. um, so that's probably where a lot of the interest comes from as Cody Rhodes is a fan of him. Um, so we'll, we'll see. Um, I, I think his contract was three years, so it's probably not going to be up until next year. Um, a lot can change between, between now and then, but we'll see. Yeah. He, he's an interesting one. I, I've heard that back as far as April, that there is mutual interest. If he signs, I would say he's going straight to, to NXT though. Oh, he would definitely need to. He's not ready for prime time yet. Yeah, um, without a doubt. And I mean, I know he's, I know he's handsome and he's got hair, but fucking yeah. the kid he's, can't go yet. He's another one that, like, say you put him on the main roster, say you put him on Raw or SmackDown, he's going to look really small. 
yeah. on, on the main roster. That was the same concern they had with Adam Cole. Like Adam Cole doesn't look kind of out of ordinary on AEW. Like putting him against no. MJF didn't look didn't look all that different. You put Hook on on Raw and you put him in there with Gunther or Ludwig Kaiser or even Giovanni Vinci, like any of those guys, or Sami Zayn and KO, who are deceptively big guys, um, that, that'll that be one thing that would be a concern for Hook. But in AEW, a lot of those guys are a little bit smaller. He doesn't look too out of the ordinary there. Yeah. Um, Jimmy Jacobs has left Impact. He is signed with AEW. He was a writer for Impact. He was a writer for WWE too, and he he got fired and all this stuff, and then he ended up getting hired at Impact. He was uh, Chris Jericho's main writer when they were together in WWE. Mm. Um, um, Dave Meltzer likes this signing. I can tell you from an Impact perspective, all the shit that I hate in Impact, he was likely behind it. So <laughs> all of the undead yeah. realm stuff and gotcha. the spooky stuff, and they got these these dumb witchy women, uh, the Coven. Yeah, uh, who Taylor Wilde and Kyla King are very good wrestlers, but they're stuck handing out tarot cards, so I just don't care about them. Um, yeah. so uh, he, I not to say that everything he's ever done is bad, I'm sure he's capable of doing good stuff, but I think that he was given the freedom to um to lean towards his worst tendencies in yeah. impact, and um, so that's why we saw a lot of the stuff that we saw. But apparently, people in AEW are pretty excited for this. Yeah, I think he he got fired for the picture with the Bullet Club, right? When they did, in, yeah. invaded Raw, um, I remember when he got fired. A lot of people thought really highly of him as a writer and producer. Oh, yeah. He's got, I think, 24, 25 years of experience in this generation that you yeah. know th- these and specific only, wrestlers. And he's not even forty yet. Yeah, um, so he's you know I, I think he's a good signing for them. If I mean he if he works with the style that AEW is going to work with, I don't right. think anybody's going to want any of that undead stuff there. Um, but yeah, I think you know his experience is definitely needed. They've got the extra show now, so they're going to need more people, especially like we've talked about. They've got a, a lot of young guys that just need that experience and people to work with them behind the scenes. Um, I think he'll be a great great guy for that, and I think he'll be a valuable piece for them. Yeah, but the moment somebody fucking teleports, it's over. And you know, and I'll be honest. <laughs> Like AEW fans, if he comes over there and he brings shitty ideas and they get on TV, AEW fans deserve this. And I'll tell you why. Yeah. I had to put up with this shit for years on my impact podcast. And I was watching this stuff religiously and I was trying my best to keep a positive attitude. And some of it was just so bad earlier this year. Taya Valkyrie got eaten by a coffin. Oh God. And she, next thing you know, she's on AEW. Yeah. So that's, that's Jimmy Jacobs for you. So I hope that it makes its way onto AEW television because these these little shit AEW fans have been spoiled <laughs> with awesome wrestling since yeah. day one. Nine nine out of ten shows. Actually, you know, I'll, I'll say I'll maybe like seven and a half out of ten shows of Dynamite are are good to great. Yeah. Right? They could use some bad. And Jimmy Jacobs, <laughs> I know for a fact, can bring them some bad ideas, and they fucking deserve it. Was so was um, he the one behind the uh, every time a wrestler would leave, they would actually kill them off? Was that kind of okay? His... That that's his forte. However, I'm not actually against that. Uh, I think that's kind of funny to just yeah. murder someone on the way out. So one time they, they and they sent Taya to prison because she attempted yeah. the, the murder of a uh, Johnny Bravo, mm-hmm. and they said that she's either going to go to Stanford Supermax or she's going to go to <laughs> Jacksonville State Penitentiary. Well, she ended up right. going to Stanford Supermax, and then she got released from prison yeah. and came back to Impact. Um, and then she, you know, got and then 
And then she got eaten and killed by a yeah. coffin. But yeah, no, they slit Allie's throat. I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah. If just you're gonna slit someone's throat. Um, but then the coffin eating thing with Taya, I just the acting and yeah. the video production was just so poor. Like if you can do like a big budget production for some of that stuff, it yeah. might work a little bit, but this was just so campy and bad. Mm-hmm. And th- look, at no point were they trying to make it a serious thing. They wanted you to kind of make fun of it. Yeah. It's it's B it's B horror stuff. They want it to be funny while you're doing it. So I get it, but they just weren't executing it very well. Um, yeah. And so, and because it's impact, you know, and nobody's really watching impact. They can do some fucking goofy shit and get away with it. And that's kind of like the charm behind the show. That's why I yeah. like a lot of it is because they can kind of throw shit up against the wall and nobody really cares. They're just having some fun. And I, I appreciate yeah. that, that about them, but no, he sucked. Um, <laughs> but the guy that impact brought in to replace him also sucks. Uh, delirious, who is a big part of the downfall of ring of honor. Their last couple mm. of years. Yeah. Um, a, a creatively bankrupt booker. He's not going to be the head guy. He's just going to be there producing and uh, throwing out ideas. But uh, delirious has assigned with impact as a producer and writer. Now, you know, I, I really appreciate the hustle of wrestling guys to, go in and just like creatively bankrupt a company and yeah. the company tank because of it. And then another company is like, you know what? I need that guy <laughs> to run my yeah. show. <laughs> yeah. Know, yeah. It's uh, like uh, Bischoff and uh, who, who's the other guy, um, Vince Russo were just like notorious yeah. for that. Like they just go in and they're terrible everywhere they go and they just keep getting opportunities. <laughs> they keep getting opportunities because they once had success, right? Yeah. Like, th- so for delirious, so for Delirious, he was very successful. But you want to know when he was successful? When he had uh, the Young Bucks and Cody Rhodes at the yeah. top of his cards. He lost those guys, and then everything he did after that just sucked. Well, yeah. they also had you know um, SCU and these other guys and the best friends, and they were you know, um, and then they brought in all the New Japan guys, and the New Japan guys were popping houses all over yeah. the country for them. So yeah, he was successful during that. When he lost that, he had no ideas. Right, it's he like, was just throwing out matches for the sake of matches. It all sucked. It's exactly like when Vince Russo was successful because he was in the same building as Stone Cold and The Rock. Like, yeah. like of course ratings were great. Stone Cold and The Rock were there. <laughs> like, yeah, had nothing to do with you, my guy. Right. And, yeah. And then he goes to WCW and he's on his own and he sucked. Eric yeah. Bischoff got very successful because of the NWO thing. Mm-hmm. NWO caught fire, and I will give him credit for that. Absolutely, he deserves credit for that. He also did a lot of other good stuff, but he ran out of ideas, right? And yeah. then when he came to TNA and took over TNA, guess what the hell he did? The first thing he did was turn Hogan heel, and then he created a new NWO faction, but they were biker guys because Sons of yeah. Anarchy was popular called the Aces and Eights, and it did pop ratings at certain points, and they did you know, sell more tickets at certain points, but they never captured the pay-per-view business, and yeah. by three years in, they were completely done, dead, and, and bankrupt, and then a couple years after that, they sell to Anthem. Like these guys, they, they keep getting jobs based off of prior success. Yeah. Um, but what people don't look at is their track record of failure after that. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but with Delirious, they're not handing him the book. Same thing yeah. with Jimmy Jacobs. Jimmy Jacobs is going to be just a guy there. Tony Khan's mm-hmm. in charge. In Impact, like everyone's like, who's the head of creative going to be? Is it R.D. Evans? Is it Tommy Dreamer? Is this? It's, it's Scott Demore. Scott Demore's head of creative, right? He's the president. Everything goes through him. Vince McMahon and Triple H head guys in WWE. That's how this all works. Um, But when you put guys like Vince Russo and Eric Bischoff (laughs) and you give them sole propriety over the, in the entire domain, 
then that's when they tend to fuck things up. Yeah. Um, last couple things real quick. Uh, I said we weren't going to go over an hour and we're already 10 minutes over an hour. Um, Leo Rush is making his impact return. I personally am uh, excited about that. Uh, Leo Rush had, uh, he's been doing some New Japan stuff, but New Japan, they had their best of the Super Juniors tournament. And, uh, and, and, um, and now they're kind of going more towards G1 season. So Leo Rush needs some stuff to do. So he's coming to impact for a little bit. Um, and that should be cool. He's going to be at the Atlanta tapings, I think in two weeks. Yeah. Um, uh, Joe, uh, yes. last story, Reddit has shit the bed. What's <laughs> the, going on with Reddit? Why is right. it dead? Why are they resting a piece? Explain it to the people. So Reddit, uh, they've been around since I think 2005 and their entire business model is built on free work, right? They have maybe millions of just they're called subreddits, but it's like every niche wrestling or every niche forum that people would visit back in the day, all in one place. And it's all just kind of condensed. And they've been wanting to go public with an IPO for several years, but they're just not making a big enough profit or enough revenue for that to be feasible. So recently their CEO has told third-party developers, Hey, we're going to continue to let us, or let you guys use our API, which is basically just all of the information of Reddit that gets put into a template for third-party developers who have their own Reddit apps. We'll continue to let you use that, but it'll no longer be free. Um, now we're going to charge you 24 cents per 1,000, um, I believe they call it actions, um, which is anything, loading a post, liking a post, disliking a post, commenting on it, sharing on it. So 24 cents per 1,000 doesn't sound like all that much. Until you learn the Apollo app, which is um, I Apple only, iPhone only, has 7 billion requests per month. 7 billion per month means around $20 million, give or take, per year to have access to something that all these third-party developers have always mm -hmm. had for free. Um, one thing that it's important to know is a lot of Reddit mobile users only use third-party so like the Apollo app, there's a lot of uh, apps specifically for people with disabilities who are hard of seeing, who uh, maybe have, um, you know, for what's uh, the one with the flashing lights that give, can give you seizures. I'm drawing a blank on the condition. I, right I'm now. drawing a blank, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, so that just a lot of stuff that people will. Sen sensory. They have sensory issues. Sen sensory sorry. issues um, yeah. that people with, you know, sensory issues will use third party apps specifically designed to allow them to use Reddit without having to be overwhelmed or overloaded um, with, the, with their issues. The reason the the CEO is doing this is he wants those apps to be done away with. Like there, there's right. no there's no negotiation to it. The the main developer of Apollo said, "Hey, we were fine with paying. We could make it work, but twenty million dollars is just unattainable." Um, Imager, who is a, another kind of I, don't, I wouldn't call it social media, but they're another platform. They're primarily gifs and images. They used to host all of Reddit's images. They get around the same amount of requests, so around seven billion a month, and they charge around two million dollars a year for their API. So, you know, Reddit charging 10 times more. And the only reason they came up with that number is because that's the number Elon Musk came up with for Twitter when he, <laughs> when he told people that they're going to start uh, charging for their API that was also previously right. free. So, so for a guy like me, I'm going to my phone right now. Yeah. I, have th I have this app. Hold on right here. I have this app. I don't know if you can see it, Joe. Uh, maybe no, the light. Just, okay. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just so that, that's just the regular app, right? Yeah, well, if uh, okay. if you pull it up on your home screen, is it just the one that's like orangish or it's, red with that little robot? It's or it's just oranges, and it's got like a little guy with an antenna on his head. Yeah. It says Reddit. 
So that's, so that's just the normal app. That's so the official you, Reddit app. Okay, so they just want people to only use that app. I yeah. honestly had no idea that there were other apps out there that could access Reddit. So mm -hmm. people are downloading these separate third-party apps, yeah. and they what they do is they post on that app, and then it automatically goes to Reddit. Yeah, so think of those third-party okay. apps as just like a blank template. Um, like say it's it's Plex, right? Plex has nothing yeah. there until your computer, which would be the Reddit API, puts stuff into that template to to have it, you know, have videos which, or hey, songs. Which reminds me, can you put impact on Plex so I can watch it later? Thanks, buddy. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> um, so that, that's essentially what it is. Um, you yeah. know, Apollo would be the blank template of just like the design, the layout of it. The Reddit API would be those posts actually coming through, the comments, the okay. videos. Um, so right. that, that's what it is. Um, a lot of the moderators, again, Reddit, all the content is built by the user base. So all the content that advertisers are paying money to put around these posts are all user generated. All of the moderators are completely free. They're not like Twitter or Facebook, Instagram, where they have paid moderators. All of the moderators are volunteers to keep, right. you know, a lot of the bad stuff that advertisers don't want showing up on something that they're paying for. So the, that's kind of where the fight is coming in. And the moderators are saying, hey, these third-party apps, these third-party tools that allow us to do our job for free for you work better than the tools that you provide. The Apollo app doesn't go down nearly as much as the official Reddit app. It just works better for people. I think over half of the people who use Reddit mobile use Apollo. Um, mm -hmm. And that's, again, just iPhone. That's not to mention, you know, what other unofficial apps there are for Android. Right. Yeah, because I've only ever used the official app before. Yeah. And I've only, and same for Twitter and for Facebook. I didn't know that there were other apps that could actually access those. That's weird. Yeah. And uh, going back to wrestling, I do have just like one other quick note before we get out of here. Is um, it breaking news? Should I hit the breaking news button or no? no nothing, nothing major. Um, it sounds like okay. Santos Escobar is going to wrestle LA Knight tomorrow night. And okay. um, there's going to be one of the guys in the money in the bank is going to put their money in the bank opportunity on the line next week. Um, I nice. don't know exactly who, um, so we'll see. So that money in the bank match could change a little bit. Um, my guess would be maybe Nakamura and getting Bronson Reed in the match. Um, it just kind of felt like a weird missed opportunity to not have Bronson Reed in it. And I'm also kind of expecting at some point Logan Paul getting added to that match. Um, and I think there's going to be three more matches that are not announced for Money in the Bank right now to be added next week. Okay. Um, and uh, Carlito signed with WWE, right? Yeah. That's, yeah. That, that hit the wire. That's pretty cool. I like Carlito. Yeah. Um, so I think I messaged you after Backlash that uh, they had multiple different offers on the table for him. Um, mm -hmm. One where he could just be a full-time wrestler. One where he could have been a full-time coach. One where he could be a part-time wrestler, part-time coach. Um, that they were kind of open to any avenue that he wanted to do. Um, yeah. He canceled a bunch of indie appearances this week. Um, so we'll probably see him show up in WWE. I don't know exactly what his role will be, but yeah, it sounds like it's finally a done deal. Fans have been asking for this for several years. He's been like the most over <laughs> mid card guy that WWE has had, that they just <laughs> never brought back. Yeah, Cause he was never over. <laughs> yeah, like, he, like he had a, like originally he had a good little run and then, yeah, like, you know, he was lazy, right? Yeah. And then they ended up, they shit canned him. And then he was the opposite of Galloway. He just went back home and said, fuck it. I'll just do uh, Puerto yeah. Rican Indies for a little while. 
Um, but yeah, WWE is putting a really big focus on the Latino market. Bad Bunny is just has been a game oh, changer yeah. for them. Uh, the LWO merch is constantly, if it's not the best seller, it's constantly in the top three. So um, if you bring in Carlito, do you put him in LWO or or what 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 do you do there? Uh, they they could put him in LWO. I again, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised to see him in NXT, maybe with uh, Garza and Carrillo with Los Lotharios. And That'd he cool. could kind of kind of be their manager, maybe wrestle a little bit. I I do think that they're going to want him to do some coaching. He's um you know he's got some good chops. They he's coached some people that you know they really think highly of. Um, so yeah, we'll see. Um, I think they're kind of open to anything. But yeah, we should find out more in the next week. Well, cool, man. Well, hey, um, that was the most WWE talk on the history of the Mike <laughs> and JD show. But uh, I knew I knew Joe had the chops for some uh, WWE talk. And I honestly, I don't want this to become an AEW podcast. And I think they've been kind of dominating the conversation, but there's been a lot of cool news about WWE to talk about this week. So uh, we we went ahead and ran with it. Um, But Hey, everybody head over to patreon.com slash fight game media and check out all of our premium content. Uh, I know we have a lot of big shows coming up this week. Next week, JD and I will be recording the Black Scorpion episode. We wanted to do it this week, but JD's on vacation. And then uh, coming up next month, I will be doing a Slammiversary uh, podcast. I'll be re- uh, I'll be um, checking out Slammiversary, and uh, I'll be doing the Brace for Impact, so that'll be returning uh, next week. But I do have my Against All Odds review, my Against All Odds recap that I recorded on Sunday morning. Um, and during that recap, I predicted that Nick Aldis would be turning heel and then eventually he would be taking the title from Alex yeah. Shelley. Well, he turned heel tonight on TV. And I didn't know that spoiler. I did not have those yeah. spoilers. And also, I did have this spoiler. I did have that Demore was coming. I uh, was going to yeah. wrestle. Uh, it was going to be Demore and PCO versus uh, Bulky Ray and uh, yeah. Steve Macklin. So that's that's happening at Slammiversary. So um, uh, Brace for Impact lives. It's on patreon.com slash fightgamemedia. One, one last question. What's going to be a worse match? That uh, Demore match at Slammiversary mm-hmm. or the match that uh, Lady, Ref, Lady Ref Aubrey Audrey is in on AEW? Is that tomorrow night? Uh, and um, Karen Joe, Angle? Um, I'm, I'm going to say that the the Ref Aubrey match is going to be about a thousand times worse. And and I'll tell you why. Like The, the Scott Demore match is technically is not going to be very good. They're yeah. going to have bells and whistles. They're going to have frying pans. They're going to have barbed wire. They're going to have all that stuff. Scott Demore in Windsor, Ontario. I'm talking about this city specifically yeah. is coming home like a conquering hero. <laughs> Dude, when, when they were in Windsor earlier this year in March and Demore's fat ass hit a, a Canadian destroyer on somebody, that whole place exploded. Yeah. This is going to be, and I'm not kidding. This is going to be like the, they're probably going to get about 2000 people, which would yeah. be as far as ticket sales go, the biggest like live event that this company has done since Anthem has taken over. Right. So like, this is going to be a huge show and it's Demore is going to be a big factor in yeah. that because he lives in Windsor. He's been promoting wrestling in Windsor for 25 years. He booked, he promoted the rock in Windsor. He was wrestling. He was like a big, like their yeah. top star in Windsor forever. Um, it, this is kind of a hotbed, like yeah. Canadian, like, and he runs that whole section over there. So, and plus they got the Motor City Machine Guns as separate champions. So you got Alex Shelley as the world champion, Chris Saban as the uh, X Division champion, and they're from Detroit, which is just right over the bridge in uh, from Windsor. So I think this is going to be one of the biggest show live events. Yeah. Right? The pay per view, not no pay per view is going to die. They're like Scott Demore ain't selling a single goddamn pay per view. Yeah, but Impact. 
these are not serious people, right? Like they're not that worried about yeah. selling a ton of pay-per-views. Like their whole business model is producing content and having as much fun as possible. Yeah. And if they end up making money, they're okay. But if they don't, they're just going to use that for their several networks that they have all over the world. Right. And they'll use it for their free streaming services and stuff yeah. that they have. So they're fine. Um, but I think as far as live event wise, this is going to be one of their biggest. And I think this match while not being a good, like, technically proficient yeah. match i th it's gonna get over and yeah. i don't know that the aubrey match is gonna get over all right very good yeah. argument <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. but hey um uh, jd will be back in the seat next week uh, thank you joe thank you for stepping in like this i really appreciate it i missed you buddy mm -hmm. um we got to do this again soon podcast Res express has returned um and until next week mahalo oh <laughs> And until next week, mahalo. Sorry. <laughs> Hit the wrong button. Hello there. My name's Neil David, and I'm the host of Euro Graps Express, the podcast exclusively dedicated to the wrestling of Europe. If it's wrestling and it happens in Europe and it's good, we talk about it. Whether it's RevPro, Progress, WXW, Passion Pro, Pro Wrestling Chaos, Pro Wrestling North, we don't care. We talk about them all. If it's good and it's exciting, I want to share it with you. We're on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Check us out on the feed. Check us out on Twitter at EuroGrapsEXP. And join us for chat about European wrestling and a little bit of chat about cheese. Hopefully see you there.